Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. For the Word of God, I want you to put your hands together for Pastor Tyler as he comes. He's going to preach. What up, what up? Hey, take a seat, take a seat in this place. Yo, say someone, tell someone what up. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Hey, I'm glad that I get to preach. It's an honor to be on this stage. This stage is like, ooh, it feels hot. It feels good after Pastor Dave was preaching. Wasn't that good? That was good. I'm just honored. I'm thankful that he allows me to be able to speak, um, that we get to be able to be in this beautiful place when it's even beautiful out, and we still get to be with our church. We still get to be with our people. Yo, we came off Revival Week, and if you weren't with us Revival Week, let me tell you, it was popping, y'all. It was on fire. Yeah, I loved every single moment of it. I was back here, and I felt like I was stuck the first night, and then the second night, the spirit just like, boom, no, you ain't stuck. You're going to get some too. And I just received it, man. It was so good. It was so good. Hey, so I'm going to be able to, I'm going to preach tonight uh, a little bit of an interesting word. It's a little bit different because this is something God spoke to me specifically, personally. And something we try to do is not always to like implement everything that God is always speaking to us because guess what? We got to get fed to us as pastors. There's been moments when I'm like, been talking to like Pastor Dave and we've been feeling things for ourselves, and we don't know yet if there's a moment when we should take that and apply it and present it to other people. Because all the time when we're preaching, when we're writing things down, like we got notes and notes and notes of just ideas, 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 and we're constantly pouring things out. What What's God sending to us in return? And so this was something that God spoke to me personally. And I remember I was talking to PD. He's like, hey, what are you speaking about? I was like, I got like five things. I got like five circulating things. And I went to God. And I said, okay, God, I feel like I could preach this. This could be good. Oh, this could be funny. I got this story. I can go along with this. And God told me specifically that he wants me to speak what he's been speaking to me this past year. Because this is, I'm going to echo what he said. This is the echo of revival, right? And, and what happened at revival, right, you can think of it as an echo. It's like, oh, it's spilling over. But this isn't spilling over. This is continual footsteps to keep moving forward in revival. And so if we don't continue that mindset, if we don't continue that heart, it won't continue. God uses us as vessels, y'all. He uses us as vessels. And although he don't need us, he uses us because we are the best us to be used. We are the best us to be used. And so if you are in this place and you are willing to hear, you are willing to listen to God's word, I encourage you, ask the Lord, what specifically does this mean for me? Because he's not just Jesus, right? He's not just Jesus. He's your Jesus and he's my Jesus. And we get to be his. So ask yourself, what does this mean for me tonight? How does this apply to my life? How does this apply to what I'm supposed to do? What movement am I supposed to be a part of? We talked about the 5K conference one night. What am I supposed to be a part of? God, what do you want from me in this place? What do you want from me tonight? So I'm going to set up in Acts 26, 14. I want you to go there. I want you to turn there. And I'm going to set up the idea. So in Acts, there's this guy named Saul. Also, his other name is Paul. You can call him Paul or Saul. So when I reference him, I'm talking about the same guy, Saul slash Paul. He had two names. And Paul is in front of this king. The king's name was King Agrippa. You can like, he, he was a gripping in something. I don't know, a scepter or a staff. I don't know what he's gripping, but he was a gripping something, right? So his name is King Agrippa, and he's on trial. 
He's on trial because all the people are like, yo, this Paul guy, he's freaky, man. I don't, I don't get him. He's weird. Put him on trial. So he's on trial in front of the king, and the king's like, yo, tell me about yourself. And Paul starts explaining this thing that we call a testimony. And a testimony is about where I used to be and where, I have, where I've come from and where I am now. And so Paul's in front of King Agrippa, and he says this. He was traveling on a road. And when he was traveling on the road, all of a sudden, this flashing light came, and he saw Jesus himself. It says in Acts 26, 14 through 16, they fell to the ground. So that's they. They fell to the ground. That's Paul and all his homies. Y'all, they were riding like, right? They were riding their horses, right? They fell to the ground. So they see Jesus, and they fall immediately to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul. Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to is it it is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now you might be like, okay, do they spell goats wrong? Why is he kicking goats? No, no, no. I'm gonna explain this. First, a goad was like a staff that was called an ox goad. It was what they used to like poke uh, the sheep, poke like the oxes, poke things, right? To be like, yo, get in there. Some of y'all like you're like little brother and little sister. You wish you had one of those. Just like whap them outside the side, outside of the head trying to get him out. But God is saying in this moment, Jesus is saying in this moment, is what I've been doing is I've been pushing on your heart. I've been, I've been poking your heart like, hello, you there? I'm letting you know I'm here. So Jesus is saying, yo, why do you persecute me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? Are you just like brushing off these little pokes that I'm putting on your heart? I've been, I've been trying to get your attention. Why do you push back against these things? Then I asked, so this is Saul. This is Paul talking. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And the Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. This is a moment that, like, it wrecked me when I read it. Remember, this was something God spoke to me because I love this imagery. First, he sees Jesus, don't know who he is, and he falls to the ground. He falls straight to the ground. Now, the Greek word, when it, meant, when it says fell at the beginning of the scripture, the Greek word means a willing fall. It wasn't, it wasn't like he like kamehameha'd him off. Like he willingly fell, and he was like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? He fell to his knees. He's sitting there on his knees. And he says, who are you? He says, I am Jesus. And before, before Saul could even respond, like, okay, yeah, I'll follow you. He says, get up. Get up. So first, get down and get up. If you ever wondered why we stand up and we sit down in church so much, this is why. You're probably like, oh, man, sit down. Oh, stand up, got to clap, got to clap, sit down. I'm just kidding. That's, that ain't why. We just like to keep you active. We just like to keep you. Everyone get up for me. Everyone get up for me. Get up for me. Come on, come on, stretch up. Stretch up. Ah, okay, now sit down. Don't even, don't even finish stretching. So he says, like, Paul, sit down. Paul, get down. Get down on your butt. Know who you are. And then he's like, who are you? I'm Jesus. Now get back up. Get back up. Get up. I don't want you sitting down. Thank you. I don't want you sitting down. I want you up. And in this moment, it wrecked me. It wrecked my mind. Because how many times in my life do I go from these sit-down moments to these stand-up moments? Like from like one moment to the next. And I ask God, what are you speaking to me? 
What are you speaking to me? Why did he tell him? Why did he fall to the ground when he first showed up? There are so many instances, and this is a theme in the Bible, where you see something happen, something amazing, and all of a sudden it says, and they fell to, the, to their knees to worship. They would see an angel. They'd be like, oh, my gosh. They'd fall down in reverence. The, on Mount Sinai, they were so scared, they started to fall. All of these moments when people have experienced God, they fell. It's huge. It's important. In the, in the moments when false idols, they would say, I want you to fall on your knees before these false idols. They would say, in order to honor them, you must fall. So what is this falling? Why do they do it? Why do they tell us to do it? Why did the worship leader say, let's just, let's just get down on our knees and let's pray? Why do we do that? Why do we sing songs that say, like, on my knees I'm strongest, right? Why do we do that? Because it's a physical sign of an inward humility. When we, when we go on our knees, when we fall before somebody, when we're down on the ground, we're saying, this is where I am and this is where you are. I'm, I'm not, I can't even come close to you. I can't even look you in the eyes because I'm so low. I'm so, I'm so beneath you. And this is an act of humility. This is an act of humility. You see in the Bible, it actually talks about how Jesus himself, he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. And when you wash someone's feet, they're sitting down. You're looking up at them. You're physically placing yourself below them. Even if it's doing an act, even if it's doing an action that would help them, you're saying, you are above me. That Jesus himself, the son of God, the savior of our lives, the one we worship, the one we sing to, the one who's the third part of the Godhead, we got to be served by him. He served us. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Because it's an act of humility. Why? Why? He's modeling for us that humility is the foundation of change in your life. If you say, God, I need something to change in my life. God, I I've been doing this thing over and over and over and over again. You can ask yourself, is it the change you need or is it the humility you need to change? Because humility is the foundation of change. If you've been, uh, if you've been having that reoccurring thing in your life, reoccurring thoughts, reoccurring dreams, reoccurring uh, anger, reoccurring lust, reoccurring whatever, and you feel like it just keeps constantly coming back, constantly coming back, and you're standing up and you're trying to fight it, maybe the first thing you need to do is get down and sit on the foundation of humility. Learn humility. Now, that's a hard thing. How does someone teach someone humility? Yo, yo, dog, let me show you how to be humble. I'm way good at it, yo, fam. Hit me up, like... If you ever need help being humble, <laughs> you know who to hit up. It's a hard thing to teach, right? It's a hard thing to teach. It's hard because half of us ain't figured it out. Welcome to the club, y'all. I figured that out. I'm still learning. We all are learning. But if I want my life to change, if I want my life to be new, if I want my life to go in the direction of the Lord, then I'm going to have to understand that every moment is a new stepping stone of humility. And I say stepping stone because you don't go down in humility. You get down on your knees, but when you get down on your knees, God lifts you up. You step up to humility. I'm going to get to that later. I just got ahead of myself. You step up to humility. So we ask ourselves, 
Why is humility important? Well, Paul, the same guy who was on the road, who saw the flashing light, got down on his knees, and Jesus told him, get up, fool. The same guy, he became an apostle for Jesus, one of the most influential people to walk the face of this earth. He's called by some the greatest Christian to ever live. Some. He models for us how to live. He, he teaches us how to do church. A lot of the things we do is because when we read in the word, it's because of his letters that we've learned how to do church, how to have order in the church, how to figure all this stuff out. A lot of the things we do is because the Lord spoke through him. So in a moment he was humbled and then he was told to get up. But now he's living the rest of his life and he's writing letters to different churches, and he's telling them this is how you could do it. And so he's writing the letter to this church in Ephesus. If you don't know where Ephesus is, it's Ephesus, Ephesus. It's in modern-day Turkey. So it's not near, it's kind of near Israel, okay, if you know any geography, geometry, right? It's near, see if you catch that, all right? Y'all smart, all right, you're good, good job, A+. plus. It's in modern-day Turkey. So it's, it's a ways away. It's kind of like Greek area. Like there was a lot of Greek people, I don't know. And he's writing to the church there because a lot of them aren't Hebrew. They're not Israelites. And he's writing to them and he's saying, yo, listen, I want you to know that now that you follow Jesus, your life is going to look different. It's going to have to look different. And he says this in Ephesians 4, 18 through 19. He said, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Here's the, here's the good part right here. Here's the goods. Ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over sensually so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they're full of greed, y'all. So why is he saying this? Well, in this moment, he's letting them know what you used to be, the people who model Jesus poorly. What they are is they are ignorant because of the hardening of their hearts. We can look at the hardening of the, a heart as the opposite of humility. It's the opposite of humility. So if you say, God, I need to be humble, he's going to say, okay, then your heart is hard in this area. We need to soften it. It's like Play-Doh. When you leave Play-Doh out and it gets like rock hard, right, you got to soften it. You got to work it. That's what happens to our heart when Jesus is away from it for long enough. When he's away from it long enough, it, it begins to fossilize. And, and Jesus has got to come in sometimes. He's got to come in and knead the dough. And other times he's got to come in with a jackhammer, right, just to even get it to work. Y'all picking your head up now. You're like, what was that? Because when we leave God out of the equation for long enough, when you leave God even out of a portion of your life for long enough, that portion of your heart will begin to harden. And as it begins to harden, guess what? You begin to grow ignorant, you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know it's hardened. That's, that's not good, bro. How, God, how am I supposed to know if I'm being prideful if I don't even know where it is? Well, we get this moment. We get these moments, every single one of us during Revival Week, when we can put our hearts and our, and our, our physical bodies in a posture of opening our heart, saying, God, come in and soften my heart. I, show me the areas that I don't even know, that I'm ignorant to. Show me those areas I'm ignorant to. I don't even know are hardened. I don't even know if I'm angry at that person. 
I didn't even know I was bitter. There's half the time in my life, real talk, y'all, half time in my life, I didn't even know I was mad at someone until like a year later. And I was like, I'm mad at them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm not the only crazy one. Y'all, you didn't know that you were like upset about something or insecure about something until someone made that little joke. You're just like, oh my goodness. Right? Because we get ignorant and our heart, when Jesus isn't in that part of our heart, when he's not allowed in that part of our life, it begins to harden. It begins to fossilize. And we lose a sensitivity to God's spirit. If you walked in here and everyone's like praising Jesus and, and you feel like, man, I'm not feeling nothing right now. You aren't the worst. I'm not saying you're the worst. I'm not saying you, I'm not condemning you. I'm just trying to help you out. If that happened, maybe it's a point where you just need to be like, yo, I'm just going to open my heart. And whatever I've maybe done wrong, whatever part of my heart is hardened right now, whatever part of my life is hardened, isn't sensitive. If I can't be sensitive to the spirit, maybe something in my life is hardened. That doesn't mean in every moment you're walking around being like, oh, there's something hardened in my life. But it's a good shot. It's a good, it's a good chance. Because you can't change what you don't know. And you don't know what is hardened because it is hardened to you. You've lost sensitivity, as it says. So humility is understanding that sensitivity to the spirit is so important. But as God began to speak to me about humility, as began to talk about humility... I asked this question. I was like, okay, God, I want to be humble. I want to be, I want to be really humble. I do. But I feel like if I'm humble, and this is not even biblical. This is just Tyler talking, right? I feel like if I'm humble, I'm going to always be the one who's like, I'm never going to be able to do anything great. Because it's always the great people who, who are like, you know, get out of my way. I'm going to be able to do this. And they are so driven. God, why can't I, I want to be driven? I feel like if I'm driven, I, I can't, I, I, I got to be a jerk, <laughs> That was my thought process. I gotta, be, I gotta be mean. I gotta be all this stuff. And God hit me. Hit me so good. And he hit me with the only, the only way that I think. I'm weird, y'all. He said, <laughs> not in these words, but he said essentially, I want you to be a Chad. You don't know what Chad is? You don't know who Chad is? Luke Slander, get up here right now. <laughs> this right here is a Chad, y'all. I didn't even know he was coming in with the Bass Pro and the Pit Vipers. This is a Chad right here, okay? He's got the look. He's got the look. Oh, my gosh. Get off here. Okay, yeah. Y'all know what a Chad is. Who here does not know what a Chad is? Raise your hand if you do not know. Okay, we're going to educate you. Throw that up on the screen. First of all, a Chad started out as a meme, right? A Chad is, is this guy, right? He's like the classic dude, right? So if you're buff... Let's see the next one. Uh, he's a classic dude. He's buff. He's like got the, oh, he's got like the shirt on. You know, he looks good. Let's see the next one. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. That is Chad territory right here. Next one. Last one right here. And, of course, you got to, yeah. It's Chad. And right now, I ain't going to lie, it's Chad weather, right? It's, you start to go outside. Maybe, maybe you started venturing out and you, you go to a park and you see the group of Chads. You know what I'm saying? And maybe you are the group of Chads. Progression, guys, I'm talking to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because God said, I want you to be a Chad. You're probably like, who? Well, Pat Tyler, what you talking about? I'm going to tell you. I want you to have crazy humility and authentic drive. Chad. Ha-ha. 
crazy humility and authentic drive. I want you to be crazy humble and be so driven and so real about that drive that God has put inside your heart, inside your life, that you will be a Chad. Spiritually, I'm putting on the pit vipers. I got the muscles, right? Spiritually, I got the six-pack, and that's all I need. I don't need it in real life. I just need it spiritually. Because when I get into heaven, God's going to be like, he's going to zap it right on me. I'm going to be like, whoo, nice. And I had to wrestle with this idea that the two things, crazy humility and authentic drive, they don't have to take away from each other. They work together. They work together to be crazy humble and to be authentically driven, to be so driven and so real in that drive. How do we do it? Well, first, let's analyze this first part, the CH, the ch of the Chad. Crazy humble. This is the first thing God spoke to me. I want you to be crazy humble. Like, I'm not talking like humble. I'm talking like crazy humble. Like so humble, so humble that when you walk around, people be like, that guy's humble. I don't even know people do that. But they're going to do it now. I want to be so humble. I don't know how, God. I'm sitting in my car. I don't know how. How am I supposed to be crazy humble? I feel like I can't even figure it out. Just humble. How am I supposed to be crazy humble? And God said, you can do it. It's, about, it's not about in every, in every season of my life doing the perfect thing. It's about having the perfect posture of being down on my knees. And saying, not what I want, but what you want. Not what I think I need, but what you know I need. Everything in my life is yours. Everything, 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 everything. And I started waking up every day. I told the middle schoolers this. I teach them this. You sit down on the edge of your bed. You put your hands out like this. God, whatever you want me to do today, I will do it. Anything you want. If you can tell God that, if you can tell God that 100%, <laughs> he will make you crazy humble in a day. Because then you'll be walking and you see the person that you know you should talk to. And you already promised God that morning, you need, I'll do everything you want. He's like, talk to them. Oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> but I got to do it. I got to walk in crazy humility. I want other people to notice how humble I am. Isn't that an oxymoron? I, that's an oxymoron. I need other people to notice how humble I am. But I did not know any other, I don't even know if that's biblically correct. But for me in my life, I said, you know what? It's a challenge. It's such a challenge that I need people to see it. Because if it's just me seeing it, if it's just me seeing my humility, now that doesn't mean I flaunt the things that I do. But what it means is I live my life and it spills over into what people see. I need to just go after humility like crazy. So heavy, so hard. I can't pull back. I can't let off the gas. I got to go full throttle on that. See, the definition of humility is freedom from pride and arrogance. And this is good because this is just Merriam-Webster. I didn't make this up. I just, I saw, I opened that up. I was like, it's going in right there. Because it's not just, it's not the opposite of pride and humility. What is it? It is freedom from pride and humility. We look at pride as the freedom. I can do what I want. I can do the things that I want to do. Instead of understanding that what I desire, what I want, leads to sin and death, as the word says. 
Those are what my desires lead to. So in order for me to actually be free, to be able to walk in freedom, I have to be humble. See, with crazy humility comes crazy freedom. Because when I wake up and I say, God, whatever you want to do today, I don't have to walk around. Y'all indecisive, right? You're like, what should I get to eat? Hmm. There's a billion things on this menu, and I'm going to take a billion years to figure it out. Oh, there's 20 people behind me? I don't care. What am I supposed to eat? I don't got to worry about it. God, what am I going to eat? I'll have 400 tacos. Okay, thanks. <laughs> no, but for real, you're in this moment where now when you get to be able to let God maneuver your life, let him do the heavy lifting. That's what it is. I don't have to sit up and worry. Oh, man, what am I supposed to do? Uh, what am I supposed to go to college? Where, where am I supposed to? Uh, am I supposed to talk to this person? Do they like me? Oh, no. And, and you get all this anxiety, right? Anxiety is because you don't know. But guess what? Now you don't have to know because he's the boss and he'll let you know whenever he wants. Right? It's, it's freedom. It is true freedom. Because if the weight truly rested only on you, because that's how we look at it, right? A lot of times we looked at the weight rests 90% on me, and I have to carry this thing, and then God will be like, you know what, I'll just take a little off your shoulders. That's not what it says. It says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, that we get to carry the cross, but he gets to carry all the rest of our burdens. Let's go. When God says, I got you. It doesn't mean he's taking things off of you. It means he's taking you. He's taking you up and he's lifting you up. When you go down, he lifts you up. That's true godly humility. It's freedom. It's freedom. Back to Ephesians. Ephesians 4.18. They were darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. So ignorance, it comes from a hardened heart. Or pride. So with humility comes freedom. And also with humility, you don't have to be ignorant about the things of your life anymore. God will begin to show you about yourself. He'll begin to show you things. It's like you're seeing into the matrix. It's like you're seeing into things you didn't see before. Why do you think the spiritual gifts exist? Why do you think the baptism of the Holy Spirit exists? Because when God implements in your life, you begin to see into things you couldn't see into before. Into your heart, into your own motives. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I say the things that I say? Why did I lie? Why did I cheat? Why was I angry? Why was I this? God, show me because it's no longer up to me having to like get out the notebook and be like, I, was the, I did this, I did this. I have to study myself. He's doing all the study and he knows all about me. I just got to ask him. It says the spirit will reveal all things. So if he knows all things, I'm sitting down in my room trying to figure out, God, why am I like this? i got to figure all this stuff out. And, yeah, we do got to figure ourselves out for sure. But guess what? If he already knows, let's just ask him. Because it's humility that brings us or that takes us out of ignorance. It's humility that brings us into freedom. If you want to know something, the word says if you need wisdom, just ask. Just ask. Ask. If you, if you ask your parent for something, who is like, like you ask your mom and dad like 10 times if you want something? Des, she does that, okay? I'm just, I'm singling her out. She's my sister. I can do that, right? She's like, mom, can I go here? Mom, can I go here? Mom, can I go here? But a lot of times what we do is we go, God, can I have this? Okay, he didn't answer. I'm done. He didn't give that to me. What? If you're willing to ask your parents 100 times for something, why aren't you willing to ask God more than at least once for something? 
right? God, I need to be shown this about my life. Okay, you didn't show me? Fine, I guess you aren't real. Huh, fine, <laughs> I guess you don't obviously love me. That's not, what's, <laughs> that's not how it works. What if God was like, ah, and then you just interrupted him? Fine, don't tell me anyway. He was about to send someone to you to be able to pray over you, and you're just like, I'm getting away from this altar. God, obviously you don't listen to me. When we sit in a life in a posture of humility, we will be given freedom beyond, beyond understanding. You'll be given freedom beyond understanding. You'll be given, uh, you'll be let loose captivity. You won't feel captive anymore when you live in humility. Now, humility is not something that you can just, you know, get down, achieve it, and be the good for the rest of your life. We have moments when God says, sit down. Get on your knees. Get down. Get on your knees. Get down. I need to teach you something. I want to I explain something to you. When, you're, when someone comes to talk to you and they're like, you need to sit down for this. You're like, oh, man, this is going to be heavy. I don't like this. I'm already nervous. God does that. He's like, sit down. I want to tell you something. Kneel down. I want to tell you something. Not only do we get in these moments when God can teach us something about freedom and about getting out of ignorance, but when we put ourselves in a posture of humility, when we do this, we get to share and we get to be a part of his glory. We get to be a part of his glory. It says twice, I was talking to Pastor Dave about my message and he said, what about the scripture? And I said, yeah, I love that scripture. Actually, I didn't know. In, it says the exact same thing twice in the same book. In Proverbs 15.33, it says, wisdom's instruction is, is to fear the Lord. And humility comes before honor. Okay? That's number one. Proverbs 18.12, before the downfall of the heart is haughty. And humility comes before honor. He says it twice. My mom said it all the time. I don't got to say it twice. But Jesus is like, I'm still going to say it twice. Humility comes before honor. If you want God to use you and you want to share in the glory of God, you want to bask in his presence, you're like, Lord, I, I, I want to be able to be at that spot. I want to be there in my life. How do I do it? Humble. Be humble. Humility. Because you can't achieve honor until you've been on your knees. Humble. We've been in this place in our life. God, I know I can do it. God, just let me do it. God, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I know I got this. Or maybe you're at the other, the other end of the spectrum. You're like, no, 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 don't put me in. Don't put me in. Don't put me in. And then you look at the people who are successful and you go, oh, why can't I be that? They get all the opportunities. Well, maybe if you lived your life, I'm talking to me, maybe if we lived our lives in a posture on our knees, say, God, whatever you want. If you want me to be back here, I'll be back here. If you want me to be up front, I'll be up front. If I hate it, I love it. It doesn't matter. What you want, I will do. I wake up this morning, I sit on the edge of my bed, put my hands out like this. Whatever you want me to do today, I dare you. I dare you. Whatever you want me to do today, I will do. Anything. I don't care how dumb I look. I don't care how weird. It, whatever you want me to do today, I will do. And if you fail to do that thing that day, wake up the next day. God, whatever you want me to do today, I will do. Anything. Anything you want me to do, I dare you. It will change your life because humility is the foundation of change. Sometimes God sets up things in our lives just to teach us humility, and that's pretty much it. I go to the jail. Um, I, I don't go to jail like I haven't been arrested, right? But I get to serve in jail. 
Um, and I went there one time, and there's this guy. He's super awesome. He's got like, like uh, he's just like the most hardcore looking guy you've ever seen in your life. I walked in one day. I was like, Lord, don't have him beat me up, right? And I sit down with him. And we start talking, and we build a relationship. We're like friends. And he would come to my Bible study. I go every single week. I sit down. I'm like, what's up, guys? And uh, they all sit down. And they're like, uh, nothing much. And I was like, you don't like staying here? It's the Ritz. It's nice. And they always make jokes. And he sits down, and we start talking. And uh, he goes like this. He goes, man, I don't like those other Bible studies because there's other people who go in to do Bible studies throughout the week. They have a couple people, like three or four. I'm one of them. He goes, I don't like those other Bible studies. I only like going to your Bible study. And I go, huh. Why is that? I don't know. I just don't, I don't like the guys. They're just kind of weird. So I only go to yours. And I was sitting there for a sec. And then the, they started talking. I'm sitting there. I'm pondering. I was like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? And this guy's huge, guys. Like, he's huge. Like, he could rip my head off. He could rip my spine out, okay? He's so, he's massive. This guy is huge. And I go, if you don't go to their Bible study, get out of mine. And then I peed myself a little. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And he, like, looks at me as if, who's this little punk kid talking to me like he knows what's up? Because I knew the only reason he was going to my Bible study, I don't want him at my Bible study if he's not willing to be faithful to God whenever. Because it's not like he can go to church whenever. He's stuck in jail. And I'm like, yo, dog, you're stuck here. You might as well get what you can get. If you can't be faithful for what God has for you, why would I let you into here? Because you're only coming because of me and you're not coming because you're faithful to God. And in that moment, I was like, am I, doing, am I doing this right? What am I supposed to be doing? If you can't go to their Bible study, you can't come to mine. And he looks at me and he goes, okay. And then later he comes up to me and he goes, that was so humbling for me to finally say I'm going to go to theirs because I just don't like them. I just don't like them. And sometimes God teaches us things. He puts us in scenarios to teach us. The only thing he's teaching us is get on your knees, get humble for just one sec. Because we've, we've all been at that place. If you ain't been at that place, oh, I don't really feel like going to church because there's that one person who's there who bothers me. I was just talking to someone today. And the reason, and they're like, yeah, I haven't come back because this person's there. And I see them across the room and they just, ugh, they bother me. Right? Maybe you're coming to church for the wrong reason. Maybe you're entering in the presence of God to enter in the presence of that girl or that guy. Maybe you're here not because you want to get down in your knees humble, but because you want other people to see where you are and you want to receive the honor before you let yourself be humble, before you let yourself stand in a posture of humility. We've misplaced humility in our generation. I was reading this really old guy. His name is G.K. Chesterton. And he read these books like a long time ago in the 30s. And I read this passage and I thought this was like, it hit me so hard. He was talking about humility. He says this, a man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but undoubting about the truth. And this has been exactly reversed. For the old humility made a man doubtful about his efforts, which, which might make him work harder. But the new humility makes a man doubtful about his aims, which will make him stop working altogether. I'm going to explain that. Culture today, what it does is it questions truth before it questions self. And that's not how God intends it. He does not intend you, your truth, yourself, 
to be higher than his truth. And we think it's humble to not offend people and tell them the truth. We think that's humble because it's their self. It's their self-image. It's their self-worth. And all the, all the while, we're throwing all of God's truth in the trash and we're living on the basis of ourselves and not his truth. God's not saying that's how it works. True humility puts God's truth above ourselves. See, culture questions truth and makes self unwavering. Culture questions aims and makes efforts unwavering. Listen, where you're headed is more important. Where your life is going is so insanely important. But a lot of times, what we put a focus on is what's happening right in here and now. What's going to bring me pleasure right now? It says in James 4 and in Proverbs 3, it says the exact same thing. Yo, God's doubling up. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. If you want God to bring favor on your life, if you want him to bless your family, bless your future, what you do now, it will affect your kids. I know that seems so far away. I don't even have kids. But seeing the people around me have kids, seeing the people around me begin families, what you do now will affect your kids. And if you want favor on your family, if your family's already messed up, if you want favor on that family, humility. Crazy, crazy humility. Like insane humility. Humility you wouldn't even think you were possible like to even be a part of. <laughs> You're like, I couldn't do that. I get too mad. I get too frustrated. Crazy humility. That's what's needed. Crazy humility. So that's the first part of being a Chad. Crazy humility. The second part is authentic drive. When people think that they have crazy humility, they got to give up being driven. Let me tell you, strength or humility that is strong makes you driven for the things of God like never before. You don't have to give up. You know what fake humility is? Fake humility is going, oh, I'm not going to talk to them because I'd rather be like behind the scenes type of person. That's not real humility. Real humility is they're going to hell and I'm willing to sacrifice my reputation for them. That's real humility. Real humility is it's awkward as all get out, but I'm going to invite them to one night. Because if there's an opportunity that could change their life, it could be that night. That's real humility. That's true crazy humility. And crazy humility pushes you to be authentically driven. If you want to be really driven, if you, if you in your life you feel like I'm just stuck, I'm stagnant, I feel like I'm not going anywhere, I feel like I'm not getting anything done, I feel like I'm not being a part of, I, I want to be able to be out there, you have to ask yourself, have you built a wall of pride between where you are and where God wants you to be? Because that's what we do. But when God puts you on your knees and he makes you humble and you sit there for a sec and he says, listen, I got you. You can do this because guess what? You don't have to do this. You just let me do it and I will show you exactly what you're capable of. I will show you what you'll be able to do. It pumps you up. You're like, yo, yo, let's go. And you break down those walls of pride because it's not your fist. It's not your hands. It's not your mind. It's God's glory through working through you to be able to break down the strongholds in your life, to be able to get to do the things that you can do. Weak humility make, 
makes weak Christians. Weak humility makes weak Christians. Humble doesn't mean quiet, y'all. I've been yelling this whole time. Humble doesn't mean you're quiet. It doesn't mean you got to sit there and not say nothing. It doesn't mean that you got you to gotta just be like, oh, I don't want to say the truth because it might hurt their feelings. We've misplaced humility. Weak humility makes weak Christians. You know what humility also doesn't mean? It also doesn't mean that you shove things down people's throats. What humility, true godly humility means in Romans 8, 17, you share in his sufferings. And when you share in his sufferings, that means you see the person that you want to minister to. You see them and you say, God, help me share in the suffering for their, for their heart. Help me feel what I need to feel for their heart. Because God sees every single person who's on the street not following him and his heart burns. And when we're walking in our pride and we're not being humble on our knees and we're just, and we're just sitting there doing nothing and we're, we have weak humility, what we do is we walk right by them. And we don't share in the suffering that God has for them. When he says, I died on the cross for them and they don't even look at me. They don't even see me. I want to share in the sufferings. Because in Romans 8, not only says you share in the sufferings, but guess what? You get to share in the glory afterwards. Now, here's something interesting about this. When you share his glory, whose glory is it? It's still his. He's just sharing, right? When you have a little brother or sister and your parents are like, share your toys. And you're like, fine, play with my transformer. <laughs> right? It's still your toy. You're just sharing it. Now, in every moment of your life, when something happens, when, when God does something miraculous, when we want honor and we want to be used by God, because maybe you're looking, you're saying, I want to be used by God. When we see all these big things, I want to be used. Why? Because I want to advance the glory of God. And when I advance it, he will share it. <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, like the Hulk meme where he's like handing the taco, you know what I'm saying? Yeah? It's like he's just giving us a little piece. He's like, here, I'll give you this. And we're like, oh. It's amazing, right? And he's got all this glory, but he even just gives us this little bit. It's enough because we get to share in his glory when we are truly humble and authentically driven. See, weak humility says, if I was in that position, I'd be better. I'd do better. That's weak humility. That's not strong humility. Strong humility says, I'm going to be the best servant I've ever been because that's crazy humility, servant. And authentically driven. I'm going to be the best. Right? If you think that you're disqualified because you're not up here preaching. If you think you're disqualified because you're not doing the thing that you really have a vision to do. And you're disqualified now. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. See, it says in James 1.9. Now, the brother or sister of humble circumstances is to take glory in his high position. You know what that means? That means if you serve in cafe... If you are our welcome team, right, if all you do is hold the door open for someone, you're going to be the best door holder you've ever been, they've ever had. Yes, come on. Amen. That means if all you did was smile, that smile is going to be the best smile you've ever had. When you encourage someone, it will be the best encouragement they've ever had because you're pouring your heart into it. And you don't have to be up here. 
right? That's crazy humility. I'll be down here, but I'm going to be the best at being down here. I'm going to be the best servant you've ever seen. I don't have to be up preaching. I don't have to be doing these what we call, quote, unquote, big things for God to be the biggest servant of my life. That's strong humility. Amen. That's strong humility. Weak humility says, I'll stay in the background because I'm comfortable here. Strong humility says, I will serve God. Whatever you want me to do today, I will do. Anything. Anything you want me to do, I will do. Weak humility says, I don't want to speak about my faith because it will ruin my relationship with that friend. Strong humility says, I so badly want to see them come to Jesus. I will risk everything to do it. That's how bad I want it. Even if I look like a fool. Weak humility says, I felt bad. I felt bad when they didn't convert. Or I witnessed to them and it didn't really go across bad. Now I feel bad. Oh, that's weak humility. See, strong humility says, listen, I don't get the glory if they're converted, so I won't take the blame. I'm not going to take the blame. Weak humility says, I'm going to give up because I'm just not worth it. I already messed up this much. I did this wrong. I already messed up so much, God. You know, that's weak humility. God, just give up on me. Weak humility. Strong humility says, Jesus already won the battle. I just got to take part in his victory. Amen. Weak humility says, I'm not good enough to be used. Strong humility says, whatever I need to be used, whatever it is, if it's the highest position or the lowest position, I'm going to give everything I have, everything I have to serve, to be the best. God does not want your humility to mean you give into the things of your flesh. That's weak humility. Strong humility says, I will tap into the things of the spirit. I will tap in to the victory that God already has from my life. It says, uh, it says in Romans 8.11, and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. You. The spirit of him, Jesus, who raised, who was raised from the dead. The spirit of him who was raised from the dead is living inside you. 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 He's living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. I love this quote by W.C. Fields. It says this, remember a dead fish can float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim upstream. God has some things for us to do. He's got stuff to be done. There's a ton of work, the word says, and not a lot of people who are willing to do it. And if we would walk in humility and God would put us on our knees, I'm willing to be a Chad, God. Crazy humility. And then he says, now get up. And you get up and you see that person you're supposed to minister to. You get down on your knees in the morning and you say, God, whatever you want me to do today. And you get up and God gives you something that will be in the vision for your future. You get down on your knees and you get down and you say, Lord, I love you so much. You might not even have anything particular to say. You just say, God, you are so good. I'm holding myself to you. You get all the glory. I don't do anything. The only thing I get to do is share in your glory. That's it. You're just sharing a little piece with me. And then he says, now get up. And then you start to walk into things in your life you did not think were possible because you got down on your knees. And when you got down on your knees, he then said, get up. And then you get down again. And he says, get up. And it's this constant back and forth. There's a reason for it. It's not because you want to be ritualistic. It's because you want to live your life asking Jesus, okay, what next? Where do you want me to go next? 
What do you want for my life? I don't want to be a dead fish that floats down river. I want to be the live one. I am alive. The same spirit who lives in Jesus lives in me. I get to be alive. Yes. I get to be alive. I don't have to live dead. I get to be alive. I get to do amazing things. And even if it's the smallest thing, it's going to be the most amazing thing. And I'm going to do it the best I've ever done it. I'm going to have crazy humility. And I'm going to be so driven to that thing that God wants me to do. It will be so real in my life. A lot of us are missing those components of our life. Where maybe you're willing to get down on your knees, but when God says, get up, you don't get up. You stay there. You're like, God, I'm just trying to sit in your presence. Maybe you're willing to get up, but when God says, hey, take a seat, get down for a sec. You're like, no, because I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that you'll show me what's wrong in my life. I'm afraid you reveal to me the parts of my heart that are hardened. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. See, when I said crazy humility, I want people to notice. What's funny about that is, in the end, I kind of said it as like something to like get you thinking. But in the end... I don't really care if anyone notices. I don't. I want to be so crazy humble. I used to have this uh, board on my wall, and uh, I, would, I would put like things on there to like have like a vision board for my life, for my future. And I took this picture of a funeral that was like packed, and I said, "God, I want to serve you so well. I want to impact so many people that that's my funeral. That there's thousands of people coming out. That's what I want." And you know what? I kind of still want that, to be honest. Because I want to see as many people reach for Jesus. But then I was sitting there one day, and I was thinking, yeah, that is true. I do want to reach that many people for Jesus. I do want to impact that many people. I do. I want to be a part of that. I want to share in his glory. But what is bigger? Seeing a big funeral when I ain't even there? Or walking up to the King of Kings, and he says, good job, Tyler. And I went over, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, I just want that. I went over, I took the funeral down, threw it away. I, I still want to see that many people reached through this ministry, through I get to be a part of with Pastor Dave, through his and Pastor's vision, through the vision of our church. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. Let me tell you. I want, when I'm on my knees, God said, get up, go do this. Get up, I got something cool for you. Get up, go, I, I got this for you. I got this for you. I want to be a part of that, for sure. But when I get to heaven, there is nothing like the words that say, well done. You were humble when no one saw you. You were so crazy humble that you weren't just humble in front of people. But for sure did they notice. Because you were so humble. Now, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to be humble sometimes. But every moment, he'll be like, get down on your knees. Okay, okay, okay. I'll get down on my knees. And now he says, get up. There are things that you're going to do in your life that others won't see. We were, uh, we were bowling with some friends. I'm an awful bowler, right? I'm terrible. I just like to spin it as much as I can and see it like curve, but it always goes in the gutter. And we're bowling. And uh, Phil, Phil Lowe, my friend, is a 
beast. He's a monster at bowling. Insane. And he gets up there, and we're just chilling, and he's bowling. Strike, 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 strike. I'm like, this dude's for real. He's legit. He's crazy. And we're on the last frame, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, getting tense. I'm like, why are they getting tense? He's about to bowl a perfect game. He's got one strike away from a perfect game. Check this out. We see Phil bowl this perfect game. Everyone was so excited. They're, they're screaming. They're excited. We see them bowl this perfect game. And he's excited. He was saying when he was getting up there, his hands were shaking. He was so excited. Like he was, he was so nervous to bowl this perfect game. And he gets done. And he says, man. We're like, what? He's like, if I would have been in like an official bowling tournament, it would have been like, it would have been so much cooler because I would have bowled that 300 and it wouldn't have just been a 300 I bowled in open bowling. It would have been a 300 and they would have gave me a ring and it would have been like so amazing because, wow, I was a part of this big thing. Phil, come up here. Because I was a part of this big thing and because like it was, it was recognized in a tournament. Now, I'm not meaning him any ill by him saying this because obviously I want him to bowl a, a bunch more 300s. I hope so. I hope so, <laughs> right? But God wants you to have the determination that he had to say, even when it doesn't matter, I'm gonna bowl a 300. I'm gonna play a perfect game. Even when no one sees it, when I don't get a ring, when nothing happens, I'm gonna be so crazy humble that when no one's watching, I'm gonna be on my knees in front of God and when he says, get up and do it, I will do it when no one else cares because I wanna be that humble. I wanna bowl that 300 so bad. That's what I want for my life. In James 1, 2, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Because guess what? You aren't bowling for a ring in a tournament. You're, strike, you're, you're getting those strikes. You're getting that 300 for your life. And in every moment, we're going, God, why wasn't, why wasn't this a moment that mattered? Why wasn't I bowling in the moment that mattered? Why did, I, why did I do that good thing when it didn't matter? And what God is saying, listen, it matters. After you bowled that 300, we got home and we bought him a ring. Because Phil right here, listen, he doesn't understand that this is his family, y'all, and that he doesn't have to bowl a 300 in a league. He doesn't have to bowl a 300 in front of a crowd. There's nothing like bowling a 300 in front of his God and his family. And when we get up into heaven, we get to receive the reward. I don't know if it fits you. Try it. It's kind of cheesy. It just says champions. got some bowling pins on it. But it's super cool. It makes you feel boss. Right? Let's see it. Let's see that. We get in these moments when we're going, God, give me this moment where I can show you and I can achieve. We don't realize that it's even in the moment when no one saw, when it didn't matter, it matters. You can walk in crazy humility. You can live out authentic drive 
And when you don't think it matters, guess what? Those are the moments that matter. Those are the moments that matter. Those are the moments when God says, listen, you might not get a ring that is expensive here on earth, but he better remember that ring. That cost me $12. (laughs) We get in these times when we think that if other people saw, if I was in this position, if if I had these things, if I had these things, if I had people looking at me, I would be able to achieve this level. If they only believed in me, Listen, God knows what you can bowl. He knows you can get that 300 anytime. And it doesn't need to take you bowling it in a tournament. It doesn't need you to take bowling it in front of a thousand people. It needs you to take striking out, getting those things in front of our God. And when you get into heaven, you will receive those rewards. Can we give Phil a hand? Love you, bro. Blessed is the one who perseveres that will receive the rewards. Blessed is the person who wants to get the 300 even when no one's looking. That's what I loved about it. His hands were still shaking even though it wasn't a tournament. He still felt the pressure even though it wasn't a tournament. I want to feel the pressure to pray. I want to feel the pressure to be on my knees in my room when no one's looking. I want to feel the pressure to live out my life when no one sees, to have crazy humility when no one sees, to be driven towards the things of God when no one sees. And eventually, what will happen when we share in his glory, we will get the rewards. Amen. Amen. So let's bow our heads tonight. If you're in this house, we're going to do a couple things. If you're in this place and you say, I haven't humbled myself to God. I don't even know what it looks like. That's okay. We're here because we've experienced just a sliver of understanding how little we are as a humanity, as a people. How little we are and how much we are in need of God, of a big God, of a God who can get us through, of a God who can, who can fight our battles for us, of a God who shows us a victory even when we see a loss. That's the God we serve. That's the God we get to be in communion with. So if you're in this place and you say, I don't know that God, I, but I need to. I need to know him. If that's you, you can just lift your hand up real quick and put it down. You're saying, I need to see that God. Thank you, thank you. You're saying, I know of him, but I don't know him. Thank you. Thank you. I need to humble myself. If you're here and you say, maybe I know God but I need some humility in my life. Raise that hand up and put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I need some humility in my life. I got some things that are cycling around. I got some problems in my life. Thank you, thank you. That's, that's me. That's me. I, I, need, I need help because I feel like I've just been having weak humility and it's turning me into a weak Christian. It's giving me weak faith. It's giving me weak belief. I need some humility. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're in this place and you say, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm not getting up anywhere. Maybe I'm sitting down on my knees, but when God says get up, I'm too afraid. And I don't. When he says get up and move, I don't. I don't move. I freeze up. If that's you, raise your hand. Put it back down. I freeze up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't have authentic drive. Thank you. 
It's easy for me to get on my knees, but it's hard when God says, get up. And if I want to be like Paul, and I want to have true humility, but I also want to honor, and I also want to be able to do the things that he was able to do. I want to be able to do bigger things than what I am right now. Because if all I do is just do the things that I have right now, all I'll ever be is me. And I want to be something more than what I am. I want to be the things that you have called me to be. I want to do the things that you have for me. Lord, if that's you, I'm going to ask one more time. I think there's more people. Raise your hands and put it down real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Crazy humility and authentic drive. It's possible. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Come into my heart. Get me on my knees and get me up when I need to. There's things to be done. There's parts of my heart that need to be changed. And there's people who need to see it, who need to see you working. So help me get on my knees. And when the time is right, help me to get up and go wherever you want me to go. Everyone put your hands out in front of you. Keep your eyes closed. Put your hands out in front of you. I dare you. Don't say this unless you're true. Do not say this unless you are true. I don't care if you watermelon it to make yourself look good in front of the people around you. But do not physically say this unless it is true. And there's some of you, you know what this means. I don't even know what it means for your life. But you know what this means when you say this. And if you say it, you will honor it. So if you're willing, say this with me. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. One more time. A couple more times. we got to get it in our heads. Because if you do not mean this, do not say it. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. All the people online, if you're watching online right now, put your hands out in front of you like the people here. All the people online, if you're watching, whatever you want me to do, say it out loud, I will do. We love you, Jesus. We believe in the power of humility because that is the foundation of change in our lives and change in other people. And not a humility that makes us sit here like bumps on a log. Not a humility that keeps us in a chair. But a humility that stands us up. That puts us up. It says that helps us ride on the wings of eagles. That lets us soar into places we've never been. Let's us see things we've never seen. Not for us, but to share in a piece of your glory. That's why. To share in a sliver. To share in a, just a, in a piece of the pie. We get our own little slice of the kingdom. And you allow us this peace because we're willing to get on our knees. And when we're willing to get on our knees, we're also willing to stand up when you tell us to, to reach out, to invite people to one night so they can come to conference. And God can do something special in them. All the people online, if you are in your house, I want you to think of some people. Text them. Tell them. If you're in-house, text them. Tell them. God is doing something. And you want them there. So don't just sit down. Don't just stay there. But when you sit down, be willing to get up when he says go. Jesus, we believe in you. We believe in the power of your cross. We believe in the power of your redemption. We love you. In your name, amen.